I'm not Christopher Walken, but if I was, I would immediately download the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. These two guys are funny. I mean, wowsy wow, wow, funny. So please, subscribe to this podcast, or I'll stab you in the face with my butane-powered soldering iron. I mean it. Thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. This is episode 35, take two. If you're keeping score at home, I'm Sanders. And I'm still Liv. <laughs> Liv, what did I say, man? My head is on carousel time and my body yeah. is still on carousel food. So, For I'll- those just tuning in, Sanders was in carousel for a week, which is the equivalent of uh, 15 rounds with the champ. i came back bruised and battered and uh not quite myself and we just had a five minute discussion amongst friends apparently on uh on the initial stages of my trip uh luckily we caught it and and, uh, he's turning around yelling you didn't knock me down ray robinson (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so here we are so here we are um, I'm back, back yesterday, maybe the night before. I don't. I tell you the truth, man. I have no idea. I am. Uh, I'm worse for wear. The trip is such. Sure a, sounds like the Twilight Zone, man. <laughs> it's such a good trip, but um, you need a vacation from your vacation when you come back. Yeah, that's the problem with a good vacation. A good vacation so good that you need the vacation when you get back from it. Now I've been going down there probably since. Uh, let's call it 1998. So it's probably 16 years or so. Yeah, we'll call it that. Out of those 16 years, I lived there for three. So take those away. So I had 15 years of vacationing time, meaning I had a job or I was in school and I could go away and I had to choose a destination and I went away. For the most part of those 15 years, I would say. I went away 12, including this trip, eight of those vacations were to Curacao. Damn. Mike was down there for a ton, um, and I went every year on spring break. While I was in law school, um, you know, each year after that, until I moved down there, which is one of the reasons why... um, they had asked me to move down in the first place because I was so familiar with the island. And one of the reasons I was invited to the wedding is because I was one of the few guys that Mike probably didn't feel the obligation to chauffeur around or show a good time. But he knew that, you know, I could make my my way around and enjoy the wedding as well. So, um, you know, what was it? Eight, eight trips, you know, that's... Three quarters of my vacationing life. And every time I come back and it's just, there's no rest. There's no relaxation. And this time it was even a little little more harried because I hadn't been back in eight years. And I was, uh, you know, going between folks that I was really good friends with, trying to catch up with them. Mike had a bunch of... um, 
you know, wedding activities planned for his family that I was included in on. And, you know, he kind of shuttled us around and took us to different parts of the island, all while, you know, carrying a full cooler full of, you know, Polars and Amstel Brights and vodkas and yep. whatnot. So, Polars and Amstel Brights, man. That's what you drink when you're down there. <laughs> seven ounces because it's so yep. hot down there yep. that the beers get uh, really warm. And uh, the Reardon family came down in full effect. There were 15 Reardons. Uh, his brother, sister, her family, um, aunts, uncles, all people I've seen, all people that have, you know, kind of adopted me into into the family over the last 20 years or so. Yeah. So it was very comfortable, had a great time with him. But um, his nieces, his niece and nephew were there. It's, um, it's his sister's stepchildren um, who are like in their 20s. She started dating uh, her husband. There's like a, maybe a 10 or 12 year age difference. And when he, when they started dating, he had kids that were just two years old. So I've known these kids. Who is this? Uh, uh, the and sister? Yeah, uh, Kristen. Kristen, yeah. Her husband, Jay. So I've known yeah, these I saw kids. Pictures, their pictures all over Facebook, you know. And uh, I've known them, you know, forever. And they're, they're good kids. And every time I see them, and, you know, they're nice. But this time we're interacting as adults for the first time we're drinking yeah, for the first time um, but they're really good but they're they were re- they're so boston you know and uh they love the fact that the beers were so small and they got warm so fast and yeah. you know every once in a while you would hear from the back of the the bus i can't believe it the beers just get so warm Check out this fucking island. <laughs> and there's plenty all of accents. Fucking beers and all the cactus. Uh, there's there's a lot of accents down there because it's got a huge um, local population, a huge Dutch population, a yep. huge South American population. But you don't hear many Boston accents, so yeah. uh, it was nice to hear. But um, had a good time. But like I said, man, I am. Torn up inside yeah, and out. Like it's palpable. First toastedness. Uh, first day we head out. Uh, my first full day on the island. Um, Reardon had arranged for a bus trip. Now it's the it's the trip that he that he takes every visitor on, and it's it's really why you would go to Curacao. Um, other than to visit somebody, um, it's the natural beaches up on the west side of the island. So there's a, yeah. the island has like a big figure eight road, and it um, and it has loops on both ends. It runs east to west, and it's about uh, what did they say? Maybe sixty kilometers long, so maybe thirty miles. Yeah, from I mean, tip it, to tip. If I remember, I think it took like forty five minutes to go from one end to the other. Basically, yep. yeah. So that's about right. Yeah. And if you go on the western loop, you start up on the northern shore, which are uh, uninhabited beaches. That's the that's the ocean side. You can't swim on that side. You can't, um, you know, that's really like the boat. side that looks like desert land, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. sheer cliffs. Yep. Um, the first stop on the tour is this awesome. Uh, natural landscape called Boca Tabla, which means uh, like big table or something. Table mouth. Table mouth. And yes. uh, it's it's like a, a cave underneath, um, yeah. you know, like a cliff. So you can kind of walk down into it and it's, it's pitch black, but, a, you know, a kind of a like a hole on the horizon about 100 yards out and waves come crashing into it. It's really cool. Yeah, I remember going there. I feel like I want to go back now. Now you're... 
you're you're reminding me of those places. It really is. It's a beautiful yeah. place, and that's that's you know a good tour guide will bring you to these places. Um, next stop, I lost the flip flop at Boca Tabla. Okay, right. So you go down, you walk yeah. down like a natural staircase. It was like coral and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. And it's dangerous because if yeah. you get swept out, you're done. Yeah, because the- that's what happened to my flip flop. It got the water, the waves came crashing, and it just. Tossed my flip flop out there. So what did you do? Because you're kind of screwed. That's like the first yeah, I stop. Had to gingerly climb down that that rock thing. <laughs> I mean, it was like it's like jagged, like coral type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost. You know, and I remember later on that day, I had to go and buy these very Euro flip flops. <laughs> you know, like a like, Havaiana. Yes, it was. Like, it was a slide, I guess, technically. It wasn't a flip-flop, okay. you know, like a thong flip-flop. It was a slide, but it wasn't something you see American dudes wear. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. But, yeah. I mean, nowadays, I'd have an extra pair of flip-flops. Right. Because you're a veteran. <laughs> yes. You're a veteran. Yes. Um, so we we did that. We hit um, Porta Marie, which is uh, the, the cliff jumping spot. It's probably, yeah. what would you say, 20, 25 feet high? <laughs> maybe higher than that yeah i remember going there because um sorry if i interject my own story no go ahead because because you were uh at least the at least the one-time visitor yeah because the the thing when we went there because when i when i went to jamaica in college on spring break we went jumping off a cliff and the thing was in jamaica where they had it was right next there was a bars up there okay you know and you sit there and you drink and you're like oh i'll jump in the water you know uh, but, like, I don't love heights. But when I was down there, I was like, man, it'd be great if we could go somewhere to jump off a cliff. And and Mike's like, oh, there's a place we can bring you. Don't worry. <laughs> so so we go to that place. I'm like, all right, Liv, you're going to jump off this cliff. And Brian's down on the beach with my camera filming me, you know. And I'm sitting there, and I just took a seat because I wasn't dying to do it, you know. Because there was one thing to say, and there was another thing to get up there, you know? Right, right. And uh, finally, Brian's like, he's like, come on, Liv, are you going to do it or not? And and I was like, I'm thinking about it. And, you know, like, <laughs> and then Mike's like, don't worry, Liv, I'll come up there. And he starts walking up there. And Brian said, and then finally, I was just like, I was like, all right, Brian, I'll do it. I just got up there and jumped into the water. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, take a little balls to just jump off a cliff into the ocean. And it's um, it is it's a ten meter jump, so that's thirty two feet. And yeah. if there's no platform, as a matter of fact, you have to you have to kind of make your way out to the edge to where it's safe. Yes, that's the thing. Yes, exactly. And uh, it it's. It's a cool feeling. I'm not an adrenaline junkie by any means. Yeah. But to do it is awesome. But I convinced myself before I went uh, I wasn't going to do it because the last thing I needed to do was jump off, get injured, you know, be a yeah. you know be the butt of any jokes during the wedding, and and you know have some serious medical issues on an island that's not known for its medicine so we just took a look everybody went ah ooh, okay and then we moved on and stopped at knip which is uh was my favorite beach uh down there it was um it's one of the most 
beautiful beaches. It's blue. It's like surrounded by two cliffs, so it's totally protected from elements. Um, you know, just yeah, like cool. real flat sea. And we made our way to Playa Forty. I'm sorry, Puerto Marie, which is kind of the most inhabited beach destination on that side of the island. So that's got a lot of scuba diving. That's got a bar. Um, that's got yeah. umbrellas and chairs. And it's also the the site of my near-fatal snorkeling accident with Crazy Carrie uh, on one of my last weeks there. Uh, I took her on, she came to visit me, I took her on the loop, you know, showed her the the west side, and we went out on uh, Playa Forty for a um, little snorkel trip, and I got a little too big for my britches, or went out to Puerto Marie for a little snorkel trip, and got too big for my britches, and we kind of got swept out to sea. Damn. Yeah, so, um, everybody took, um, you know, great solace in the fact that um, I survived that. Um, it was a nice little story, and we all walked into the water, and I cut my foot on a piece of coral right on the Ugh. bottom of the ball of my foot. First Ugh. day on the island, so Excellent. there's no recovering. This week, yeah. Oh man, there's no recovering from that. It was really deep too. So um, I, I was I've been hobbled for like a week, and it didn't help that I was drunk, and uh, you know probably should have taken care of it at the time and found proper bandages and blah 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 but yeah. by the time i sobered up you know i'm two or two and a half days into this wound um that thank goodness had some salt water on it had some pool water on it you know i was keeping it flushed and keeping it hydrated yes, that's what doctors tell you make sure you get some pool water on that wound <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm starting to recover. I got a proper band-aid on it now. But um you know, in true in true Sanders fashion, I lost my wallet on uh on that sojourn as well. So that became a you know a huge issue and I woke up the next morning and you know, felt like an absolute asshole because first day on the trip I cut my foot, I lost my wallet, I'm hungover, feeling miserable. And, you know, made some phone calls to try to find the wallet. You know, my buddy Mick, who I was staying at his house, was on the case. Reardon had the bus driver looking for it, tearing the bus apart. Come to find out, it was in a secret pouch of my backpack <laughs> for security purposes. Yes, um, and you out-tricked yourself. And I out-tricked myself. So. Yeah, that's what always happens. Um, so it was like, all... Here, that way no one will know where it is. <laughs> Not even <laughs> me. Yep. So that was the that was the first thirty six hours of my trip, and uh, and it was all downhill from there. But it was a good time, man. It was a good time. Yeah, I was glad was to get back. Time. Now the question is, um, I saw the pictures, you know, from the wedding night, and you were. Uh, I saw one particular picture where it was like the group shot of you and all the boys, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Fabby and. Uh, I guess Kurt was in there and Sean and I guess some of the guys from, um, you know, who, who else was in there? Corey's, uh, Corey's the, in both there. Both of the Corey's were there. Louie, yeah. a bunch of the sports betting guys from back in the yeah. day who all happen to still be down there. Yeah, so it looked like a real good time. Uh, you were you had you had successfully pulled off dressy casual Curacao style. <laughs> You weren't wearing a hat, though. No, no. I passed on the hat. 
Okay. Um, I couldn't but, find. But you were wearing you were wearing beads of some sort. Yes. Please yes. explain the beads. All right. So, um, what I ended up going with was a pair of uh, a pair of just um, lightweight. I don't even know. They weren't linen, but they're you know summer kind of material khaki pants from uh, Old Navy. I had forever. They're kind of my go-to pants. They roll up at the bottom. You know, you can wear them with flip-flops. And I ended up wearing a white linen shirt uh, from Old Navy. And I thought I was super, super smart because I don't dress formally very often. And when I do, um, I hesitate to wear a T-shirt. I've always hated wearing T-shirts because I don't like anything tight on me. So I always buy a T-shirt that is kind of loose. So if I wear a double X T-shirt, I will wear a double X undershirt. But that defeats the purpose because now I'm wearing a big bulky shirt underneath a dress shirt and it doesn't stay tucked in. My pants are too tight. So I just kind of wing it. But I was ahead of the game and I said, listen, if I'm going to be down in Curacao, I know how hot hot it is. Um, So I'm going to buy like a wife beater. Yeah, you need the wife beaters. So I bought an extra large wife beater, which was like painting on a T-shirt. It was super tight, but it did the trick, and it absorbed all the sweat. So I I knew I was going to be comfortable, and I knew that I was going to be respectable, but I wanted to accessorize. We had talked about... we talked about maybe getting a hat. There were a bunch of guys down there with hats. Um, I knew I wasn't going to wear a tie. Uh, Jacket was certainly out of the question. I was pushing it with flip-flops. But a couple years ago, I procured these coconut beads um this coconut beads necklace and it's actually like a promo from like some rum company but i've seen them at like jewelry stores or you know novelty stores uh, costume jewelry stores and they're you know they're pretty expensive and for the most part women wear them they make them into earrings or rings or whatnot but they're i don't know they're like peach sized peach pit sized seeds that come inside of a coconut so most people don't yeah. open up a coconut but so that's what it is it's coconut seeds is the, the are the beads the coconut seed beads and they're all polished and uh and they're pretty fancy and it's always a huge hit whenever i wear it i've only last time i wore it was like four or five years ago um and joey's put the kibosh on it because it never was quite appropriate but i thought for a you know a caribbean style wedding even though it was more of a you know, a Hawaiian themed accessory. I think uh, I think I pulled it off pretty good. Yeah, I thought it looked. I thought it looked appropriate. Um, the one thing I didn't notice until I started looking at pictures was um, the one thing I didn't account for was the amount of sweat that my legs generate. <laughs> so I am totally dry on my upper body because I'm wearing that T-shirt. Yeah. But my pants look like I walked through a fountain. So on my upper body, I'm not only am I fully uh, accessorized and completely dry, but my bottom is is disproportionate. I'm I'm, I'm soaking wet. I look like an absolute idiot. But I I don't know how I could have how I could have prevented that, other than losing about fifty pounds and shaving my legs. You know what? I think I could lose another hundred pounds. I'll still be a sweaty bastard. Some people just <laughs> are. But like, 
you know, back about the T-shirt, I used to wear T-shirts all the time as undershirts, and then I realized that it was defeating the purpose. So I have, I have eschewed the undershirt, you know? And at one point, I was doing, like, the A shirt, the wife beater. Right. Uh, which, you know, in that case, I might have done, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm way better off if I just have nothing under there, you know? But but it's true. You know, you wear a T-shirt under and you're defeating the purpose. Yeah, I mean, I certainly subscribe mm-hmm. to that theory in general. Yeah, the tank is the way to go. But I used to, I used to always be an under T-shirt guy. And then I, you know, now I just throw, it used to feel weird to wear a polo shirt straight on the skin. You know? Right, right. But now it's just commonplace. Right. <laughs> and, and I've been the better for it. But I don't know if there's anything you can do about the pant, the leg issue, unless you're just going to wear shorts. Yeah, no, it's true. But um, despite the minor um, wardrobe malfunction, I thought I was respectable. I fit in. Wasn't the drunkest one there. And Who had was a blast. the drunkest one there? Uh, that would probably have to go to um, one of one or two of the Reardon family members. That doesn't um, sound like a shock. It was um, both his cousin, who is a um, was a drummer in the Blue Man Group for years oh, yeah, and years, cool. and uh, and his nephew, who uh, is about twenty two or twenty three, they got into some tequila at the after hours party, which um, we know a couple folks who own an American restaurant down there, or they're Americans who own a restaurant. It's not necessarily yeah. American food, but. Um, we befriended them, you know, during my stay down there, and the this couple, a husband and wife, have have made a life, opened a restaurant, um, had a kid, the whole deal. So we went back to their place uh, after the party, which ended about eleven. So you know, that's four or five hours of drinking after the wedding, and for some reason, tequila made its way out. Ugh. And um, both the cousin and the and the nephew, um, you know, weren't shy with it. So much so that the the cousin, who was probably in his forties, uh, didn't make it out of his room until six o'clock the next night. The huh. nephew, who's twenty three, didn't make it out until the following day. Damn. So um, they were pretty banged up. And, um, you know, held themselves, um, you know. I don't know. The idea is way more funny that it's like the the real Boston guys who are the drunkest guys. <laughs> Just the whole image of drunken, sloppy messes with their accents flying around, dropping F-bombs left and right. It had to be awesome. <laughs> other, than, um, other than some, like, uncharacteristic dancing. Yeah. Um, they really, you couldn't have told that they were the drunkest guys there. You couldn't have told that they were from Boston. Like, there really wasn't, um, there really wasn't uh, a calling card, you know, to say, hey, we're American, we're drunk, and we're from Boston. Yeah. Um, although they played at the wedding uh, a song that, that was familiar, um, but I hadn't really heard it until I heard it played. Um, and then still not familiar with it, it's uh, Ship It Up to Boston. Okay. By, um, by, who is it? The, it's a, it's one of those Boston bands. One of them. Uh, Dropkick Murphys. 
Oh, uh, okay. And I'm trying to play it, but... Um, but stuff's not working right now. <laughs> yeah, all right, here we go. i got to unplug my thing. Hold on. Okay. Oh, yeah, I know this. Yeah. Um, so I guess Dropkick Murphys are like a Boston kind of punk band. Um, I, uh, working at the poorhouse, you would hear this constantly. Yeah, it's got a good refrain. It's got a good beat. Yeah. You know, kind One of, of those guys from Dropkick Murphys used to come into a poorhouse. There's like 20 of them, so, yeah. I guess it's uh, maybe from Departed or something. Yeah, I think that's what it's in. Yep, I do. I think you're correct there. So it got the Reardon family uh, bouncing around, having a good time. Here's the refrain. Yeah, working at the poorhouse, they would play this all the time. It was a good tune. It was a good yeah. tune. So... Um, you know, there's a lot of that. Um, you know, there was a little, um, little classic rock, a little, um, you know, a little con- white guy music. Yeah, yeah. totally, mm-hmm. totally. Um, uh, well, um, well, let me be the first on here, on here that wasn't at the wedding to congratulate Mr. and Mrs. Reardon, <laughs> Mike and Dubique. They did a great job. Yeah, they job. looked good. I was surprised at the level of dress they were in, actually. Oh, they you both know? look great. Yeah, no, they look great. I'm just saying, I, I was when you think of an island wedding, you think of, you know, you think of people sitting there like in casual shirts and linen pants, you know. Oh yeah, he was suited up. She had on a yeah. big long dress. Um, yeah, she was in a classic uh, bridal gown. Yeah. Yeah, and you know she had her makeup. I mean, she's she's cute girl. Um, yeah, you know, looks always good. looks great. But in the yep. in the wedding, uh, it was phenomenal. There was a picture of the two of them that I'm going to make my Christmas card this year. Nice, just them. So I, I'm not so, involved. Um, so you're going to send out a Christmas card of them? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> From Sanders. <laughs> so t- speaking of pictures, tell tell. But uh, we talked about this last time. About what you were gonna give them as a gift? Oh right, right. Okay, so I did. I I, I um, I went down, and I, I don't know what the what the protocol is, and I don't know if their invitation said so or not. But like, generally speaking, when you travel, um, you know, for a wedding, gifts are are appreciated, yes. as opposed to I don't want to say expected, but I would say most people who throw a wedding expect you. Give them a gift. Yeah, usually when you travel for a wedding, a lot of people think, well, you're traveling. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and that was their kind of, you know, that was kind of their thought process when I handed them over a gift, let alone a card. Yeah. Because um, a bunch of the people from, from down there obviously gave them cards and whatnot. And I gave them, I gave them a card with, you know, um, some some spending cash in, um, you know, to help them uh, celebrate their, their honeymoon or whatever. But, yeah, of course. Um, I have this big... Black, this big bag and I, I bring it on uh, 
maybe Monday night was the last night everybody was getting together. So I went back to their house. The the Reardon's rented this huge house um, with a pool and three stories, you know, slept 15. It was really yeah. awesome move because three days of that week, um, I was down there for six full days. I would say half the time I was hanging with them at the house in the pool, you know, having drinks doing whatever yeah so it worked out perfectly but on the last night i hand mike the bag and go hey listen here you go i you know wanted to give this to you and he said hey you didn't have to do that man um but i'm gonna hold off on opening it until danique gets here she'll be here in a little while and i'm like well okay and that's that's great i mean don't you know it's nothing it's nothing special i just wanted to give you a little something and he's like oh well i mean you, you gave it to us so that, that i mean of course i'm gonna wait for her and you know the, it's the thought that counts so we kind of forgot about her for a little while. We're kind of hanging out and we're drinking and more people are gathering around the, you know, the, uh, the little drinking area, um, patio. And he's like, oh, wait, Danique, I forgot. Uh, Sanders gave us a present. And he goes to grab it and they take out the card and they read the card. Oh, that's real sweet. And they reach into the bag and they pull it out, but they pull it out face down. And Danique yeah. says, oh, I bet this is a picture that Sanders has had forever of mm-hmm. us when we first met down in Curacao. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man. Now you're feeling all bad about right. it. Right. <laughs> I'm like, because I should have had that. Of all yes. the people, I should have had that. Because when they first started dating, none of their friends would have ever guessed they would have lasted. But... When I lived down there, they had been dating for like one or two years. So, yeah. you know, it was a reality that, hey, I could probably have a picture of them, you know, or even me in it. Because that yeah. was kind of the running joke that, you know, I was always the third wheel. But she flips it around and she just starts laughing hysterically. <laughs> and I knew we were in good. I knew we were in good graces because she got a huge kick out of it. And Mike looks at it and, you know, had his typical weirdo reaction. Um, but loved the fact that I gave him an 8 by 10 autographed picture of two sorry excuses <laughs> with an inscription on it. That was their favorite part was that you inscribed it. No excuses will, be so- will ever be sorrier than these two. Live. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere on the uh, on the shores of Beverly, um, they will be hanging the two sorry excuses. I got a nice wooden. Next time I go up there, I'm gonna have to demand <laughs> if it's not hanging on their wall. <laughs> well, I'm sure it will be somewhere because the house is huge. They have no kids. I think it's a four bedroom house. Where are they live? They're living in Beverly. Yeah, they're living in Beverly. Uh, it's probably I'm gonna say somewhere between a 28 and 3200 square foot house. Damn, that's huge. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was funny. We were both up in Syracuse um, a couple, maybe last year or so, yeah, a year and a half ago. And Guy was like, hey, you know, I heard you moved into a house, blah, blah, blah. And um, he's like, would you pay for that house? And Reardon was all sheepish and he wouldn't he wouldn't tell him. And Guy's like, it's public record, dude. I can look yeah. it up. I can tell you exactly how big it is. I can tell you, you know, how much yeah, you paid for it. Um, but for some reason, um, Reardon didn't want to disclose that. But the, um, yeah, it's a big house. And I think they've got more 
places than they've decorated. So maybe they have a full basement um, that they don't even have anything in. Yeah. Uh, four bedroom, two two full, one partial bath, 2,600 square feet. Are you looking at the official public description of the house? I, I did. I looked on Trulia. So I'm, guess, yeah, okay. I'm guessing it's just, just relatively accurate, but that is crazy that they have a uh, that that they bought a big house like that. Yeah, well, I think it's maybe like, they plan on making the babies now. Maybe, maybe, but um, they certainly have the room for a picture of uh, of two knuckleheads. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that, man. What else you got going on? Uh, well, I went to jury duty Monday, so that was exciting. Oh no way! Yeah. Um. Did you get out of it? I assume you got out of it. Well, I, you know what? I've gotten out of it every time, the two or three times ever that I've been called before. And, like, thing is, I'm still, you know, my license and everything is still at the house in Metairie where I am right now. Okay. But the last time I got called was in 2012, and I was living in New Orleans, and I told him, I'm like, I don't live in Jefferson Parish right now. So I guess they thought about that, and they're like, well, we'll pluck it again, you know? Right. And this time I couldn't back out. I'm like, I might as well just go and get it done, knowing that, like, you know, it used to be if you were an attorney, all you had to say was you were an attorney, and they just let you go. Right. You wouldn't even have to go through it. Right. But I guess people complained about that or something, which is stupid, because they're never going to choose you if you're an attorney. Right. Um. But... So I go there and I go into the jury room, you know, and they show TV, you know, they have a TV on and I never, I didn't know what to expect. I never even picked a jury in my law practice. I didn't expect to be sitting around there all day. Thank God for having a smartphone though, you know, cause they have, uh, you know, they give you a wireless password and stuff that you can use right? because it's, you're just sitting there all day in this room and at one point, the clerk of court comes in there, and he's like, all right, we had, like, seven cases today. Two of them settled, so there's five. You know, this is, like, 10-something in the morning. I got there, like, right around 830, because they tell you you get there at 830, you know? Yep, yeah. And, um, and then he comes in there again, like, what time is it? Probably, like, 1130, 1140. And he's like, uh, the judges said, uh, y'all can go to lunch you know, be back by one, come back at one. You know, my phone, you know, they also had phone chargers in there, which was good because I was killing my phone. <laughs> just crushing uh, the internet? Yeah, just because that's all I had to do, you know, is sit down and look at them. I've seen all these people with books. I'm like, oh, these are all the old pros. <laughs> you know? uh, luckily, I found, uh, you know, I went out and got one of the these uh, weekly newspapers that has a New York Times crossword in it. So that occupied about 30 minutes of, of the afternoon. And then finally he comes in there at like 2.30-something. He's like, all right, the, the last two cases just settled. No one has to do jury duty. Y'all are free for the next two years. <laughs> he let us go. Yeah, that was my only experience with jury duty. I was in until lunchtime, and then uh, then they let me go, whatever it is, two years, four years, I forget, in Jersey. Yeah, it's two years down here. And uh, – you know, problem is the next time it comes up, I'll, I'll probably be a resident of Orleans Parish again, which has way worse jury duty because they make you go there multiple times during the process. You know, whereas 
and Jefferson Parish, you just go there one day. And if you get chosen, you get chosen. If not, you're done for two years. Right. You know, um, but the funny thing is, it's like, you know, there's people there. I guess there's a lot of people that want to be there. You know, uh, it's very much like the DMV. There, there's a dearth of attractive people there. Uh, right, right. There's definitely a dearth of attractive women who, who must all know how to get out of jury duty. Right. <laughs> there's a half a million half a million people in this parish. Somebody somebody attractive had to pull jury duty. <laughs> you know? But no, they all got out of it, you know, somehow. But but then you realize there's a lot of people there that I think do want to be there. I came home, I'm talking to my mom about it, and she's like, oh, she's like, I wish I could do jury duty. I was like, why? It's terrible. She's like, oh, it's just so interesting. I was like, yeah, you want to do it because you're nosy. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, and they keep coming in there telling you it's about it. The guy's like, this is your civic duty, and they play this this video on the TV of, like, um, it's this local political commentator, you know, who's taking you through the jury process, you know, and how should I dress? Oh, and and what kind of questions are they going to ask me? And all this ridiculousness. And you have to read this handbook they give you. And then the very last page, you know, from the clerk of court is like, some people enjoy jury duty, but many people are intimidated by it and think it's terrible. But just remember, you're doing your civic duty, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a, it, it was very similar to working as an extra on a movie. Oh, yeah. You just sit in this room waiting to be called, and except you never get called, you know? And actually, I've been an extra on sets where you sat there and you never got called. But And, um, and you still get paid. Yeah, I guess I'll get a check for like 24 bucks or something, they say. So There you go. Free uh, lunch. You can go out yeah. to lunch with Jacob. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the funny thing is, the, the, the highlight of it was being able to watch... Uh, Price is Right, because I hadn't seen that in forever. Oh, they have a television? Yeah, they have a television in the middle. In the middle of the room, there's a big television, a wall. And um, there was <laughs> there was this guy on the Price is Right, all right? He, he, obviously, he obviously got screwed up. <laughs> so, like, um, the dude bid 700, and he's the last guy to get... To bid, you know. Okay. And he bid six ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> and Drew looked down like, oh, okay, uh, you know. Right, right. And, and of course, like the winning number was above seven hundred or whatever. Like, how often is anything six ninety nine? No, he should have bid seven hundred one. Right, right. You know. And later on, uh, the next round comes around. He's still out there, obviously. And a guy bids eleven hundred. And then the, this woman, who's the second to last, bids 1101, which is very stupid. Right, because there's one so, more guy left. Yeah, so it comes to that guy, and he goes 1102. <laughs> but then, of course, the guy bid 1100, got it right on. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's like, why would you bid 1101 if you're not the last person? Right. You right. know, if you're so confident that that guy with the 1100 is 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 not high enough, you know. Why would you bid 1101? Right. Uh, so anyway, but there was a person earlier on who was also the second to last to bid who bids $1. 
<laughs> you don't get to bid one dollar when you're the second to last person. No, you have to be the last person. Yes, and the last person bid three hundred, and she would have won had she bid two. And I, I don't know why she didn't bid two because I would have just done two. Right. Just the just just the just for the sheer humor of fucking over that person that bid one. Right. You know, because everybody else was like 500 and up and lastly bid 300. It was like, I was like, well, I don't know why she just didn't bid two if that woman bid one, you know? Right. But it's like, it's like, I think people are just so eager to bid the one, <laughs> you know, because that's like the coolest thing you can do in The Price is Right is say $1. Right. I you watched, know? for some reason, I also watched The Price is Right recently in the, uh, at the end of like the showcase showdown where they yeah. have the two winners from the first half and the second half, yep. and then they show them a bunch of stuff. Usually the yeah. first one is, is not as cool as the second one, but the they... The second one's always way more awesome. And But they always have either some type of combination of jet ski, yep. mobile home, automobile, vacation, and dinette set. Yeah. <laughs> something, something weird like that. Well, the... F- you know, usually the retail price is you know somewhere between eighteen and thirty six thousand dollars. Throw in a car and a vacation. The guy bid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's obviously the guy. The guy. That, he, where the hell is that guy? Does he even shop for himself? Who would bid that? Uh, probably Sky Mall. He buys everything yeah. on Sky Mall. Two hundred fifty thousand. Drew must have been like what? He must have been floored when that guy did that. <laughs> like, all right, you sure you don't mean twenty five thousand? You know. Uh, oh man. <laughs> and of course, traditional prices right rules. It's closest without going over. Oh yes, exactly. I always cite that because well, I hate like I was at a trivia night a few weeks ago, and and they're like, "Well, that the closest one gets it." And they're like, this person, they win because they picked 815 and numbers 808. I was like, but they went over. You know, Price is Right rules should control life. I don't care if I pick one. It's under 800, you know? Right. And I thought that was standard. I thought yeah, everybody played by that rule. It's not, unfortunately. Oh, man. I, I just, I don't know. I just wish that I could watch more Price is Right. But no, I gotta go to work (laughs) It is such a great show Between the format And the contestants And, you know, the host And the games It's just, it's it's perfect It's No wonder it's been on, like, what? At least 40-something years Yeah, 40 years, I was gonna say Yeah I mean, I'll give this much I mean, it's not like Bob Barker could go on forever So It I think Drew has done a good job of replacing him. You know, and that's just that's a career move. Not that not that Drew Carey was a was a huge superstar, but he was a funny comedian. His Drew Carey yeah. show was was pretty popular. But once he goes to the Price is Right, that's it. Like oh, yeah. Basically, that's your that's your career. You're locking yourself in. But what? That's one hell of a career, man. I would do that. You're on TV. He's on TV probably 200 times. He probably tapes 200 of shows like that a year. Yeah. You know, and he, he's got a s- secure job. You know, you go in every day. You're, people, it's an established brand. Price is Right isn't getting everything that's been canceled, all the soap operas and everything. 
all the game shows that they don't have on TV, Price is Right isn't gone anywhere. No, no way. Yeah. No way. And the amount of famous people that have been on the Price is Right is incredible. Yeah. Like, you know, people living out in uh, in Hollywood or L.A. Um, I just saw something. Uh, the dude who played Jesse Pinkman uh, in Breaking Bad. What's his oh, name? Okay. Uh, Aaron Paul. I don't know yeah. if he was famous before. And he was on episode Breaking of Price Bad. Is right? He was on the episode of Price is Right. He was um he was even like a featured player. You know, like he was a funny um you know, he was funny during his skit or oh, his okay, his yeah. game and you know, he had some personality and they referenced back to him later on in the game and stuff like that. So Yeah. Um uh Okay, maybe that's not a long list of famous people, but there's at least one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't know. They do so many other things different now. Like, you know, Aisha Tyler was on the other day when I was watching it as, like, you know, demonstrating stuff, which, you know, I don't know why they need the celebrity cameos, but whatever. She's on there promoting that she's on The Talk, and which is a CBS show, and that she's on Archer, too. But it's, it's very weird because... You know, back in the day, you just need Bob Barker and Barker's Beauties, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. As long as they weren't filing sexual harassment suits against them, everything was fine. <laughs> of course, that no problem with Aisha Taylor, you know, Tyler, whatever her name is. It's just, it's just I, I had never seen that before, where they had celebrity guest stars out there with the, uh, with the models. Yeah, either have I. I. I noticed there's a there's there's not a ton of models anymore. There's only like like one or two featured models. Yeah, they got that blonde one that's all over everything. Uh, I think they've even done male models now. They didn't have male models the other day, but I know they've done male models in the past year because it was like a big groundbreaking thing. Uh, Price is Right having male models. Yeah, which I guess makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. a huge. Uh, their demographics got to be, you know, sixty to eighty year old women. Yep. Right. So why not throw them a bone? Yeah. They want. They want to see some beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of hot chicks, because uh, I'm a huge fan of Aisha Tyler. Yeah, um, she's beautiful. I I I'm at my parents' house today. They um. I don't know where they went, but I had to stop by and do something, uh, and I needed to do a little work, so I was going to do it in the air condition, and it all worked out. Um, but I'm kind of decompressing. I'm having some dinner, and I'm sitting in the back room watching, um, flipping through television because I don't have cable, and I'm finding just stupid stuff to watch, and I hopped on uh, VH1's pop-up video. Yeah. Do you remember pop-up video? Pop-up video. All right. Yeah. So they would play uh, a contemporary video, you know, something of the time, and that was popular at the time, and they would have, like, pop-up factoids. So the one that came yeah. on uh, was um, – I was in the middle of Jack and Diane. Okay. Uh, John, John Mellencamp. And it starts with um, – the girlfriend in this video is actually John's wife. they have been dating for eight years. Uh, they shot this video in a diner, the same diner they shot, um, what's his other, f- one of his other f- famous songs, I've heard, Small Town. 
Yeah, okay. I was born in a small town. And so it's pretty entertaining because you're listening to the song in the background. And obviously you're watching the video. But you're getting all these little factoids. And um, I saw about half the video and was like, all right, that was pretty novel. And I was about to flip the channel when Lionel Richie's Hello came Hello. on. Yes. Now, do you remember this video? Uh, I mean, I, I think I do. It wasn't really too high tech or anything. No, it certainly wasn't dancing on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Cheech Marin. Cheech Marin was in the dancing on the ceiling video, wasn't he? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. He very well could have been. Um, but it starts off in like a... Isn't it black and white? Uh, nope, nope. It's not black and white? Okay. No, it's in color. And um, it's it's set on like a college campus. Yeah. And it's a chick and a guy doing like a scene, like um, like, yeah, a, like yeah. a play. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And the, the chick in the video is um is a woman named Laura Carrington, and the only reason I know this uh, is because the pop up video told me so. Yeah. But she's super attractive. She almost looks like um. Like a Nia Long type. So if you haven't seen the video, if you've seen the video, you obviously know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But if you haven't, um, Nia Long is um, is probably an actress that comes, you know, kind of close. She was in. Um, yeah, I know Nia Long is. Boiler Room. She was in Friday. Boys in the Hood. Like real popular. Yeah. Um, actress back in like the 80s and 90s. Good looking bronze. Like, super cute. Super cute. Um. And I'm watching the video, and I remember that it has something to do with like a teacher and a student, and you know, it's a little um, Asimovish. And so it's going on, it's going on, and Is I really Asimovish or Asimov- Nabokovish? Namak. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> if Asimovish should probably involve some robots. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I really know that is because of uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me. Uh-huh. Just like that famous book by Nabokov. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny because I referenced the same song, but in my head it was just <laughs> like that famous book by Asimov. Touche, man. Touche. Yeah. Good stuff. And I'm watching the video, and now I start to realize that she's blind. Yeah. But At the end of the video, she gets up with the with the walking with, cane, right? No, no, no. She gets up with it um, like halfway. So yeah. she's in the play, which is fine. Um, she's in the band. She plays the flute. Okay. Okay. She is... Um, Doing, and Lionel Richie's the professor? Lionel Richie's the professor. Okay. Uh, at one point during the song, she's doing sculpture, which totally, totally understandable. Totally believable. But then she's in a ballet... something blind people do? Then she's in a ballet class. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it lost me. All right. Hot girl. You keep putting too many limitations on the blind, Matt Santos. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that video now because it's probably been 30 years since I've seen it. And at the end, what she does is she reveals that she had been working on a on a on a on a bust 
of Lionel Richie, and she yes. twirls the bust around. It looks nothing like Lionel Richie. I, it, it, it's amazing how bad yeah. it is. But thanks to the pop-up, I realize that um, the artist who made the bust did so from a picture, and they only had enough money in the budget to do one rendering of the uh, of the bust, so they had to they had to stick with it. But um, the whole video was surreal, <laughs> from the hot leading lady to Lionel Richie as a professor. You know, it's funny. I just googled "hello video Lionel Richie" and here's uh, blog.dallasobserver.com from Valentine's Day of this year. The 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 title of the article is Lionel Richie's Hello is the most confusing, confusing music video of all time. <laughs> and I'm sure it's probably going to cite a lot of the information that you have cited in, <laughs> in your screen. Uh, we'll, we'll have to take a look at that because if they don't mention that she's a ballet dancer, inexplicably that she's a ballet dancer, um, then they totally miss the boat because that's probably my favorite uh, Favorite part of the video. Yeah. Uh, um, what else you got, man? We have to look at this. Um, gee, let's think. Um, let me go to my... Uh, to see what else I, I thought about this week. Um, well, I... We were challenged by Brian Peters of the Poor House to do the Ice Bucket oh, Challenge. Okay, so... so- it took me a second to figure everything out because I'm not on Facebook, but um, that's how he gave his challenge, which is kind of odd because of all the people in the world, Brian Facebook, Brian Peters issuing a Facebook challenge is almost counterintuitive. Yeah, but he works through the Poorhouse Boston Facebook page. Okay, all right, and it was the it was the, like the day that I was leaving. So, one, I didn't realize that you had to do your challenge or you're supposed to do your challenge 24 hours um, yeah. from the challenge. And two, I didn't, um, I didn't have time to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. But you picked up the mantle. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'd sorry, Dunabit. But I, I didn't have any way to do it that Sunday afternoon when I first saw it because I was all by myself. You know, I didn't have any way to set up a a camera to do it, you know. So I was like, I'll do it the next day. Um, I'll, you know, I didn't think since I knew you weren't going to be able to access Facebook, I was like, well, Sanders isn't going to be able to do this anyway. But it's no big deal. So uh, that Monday, you know, I go to work and I... I came home and I had already made plans to go to see Guardians of the Galaxy that night with the buddy of mine, uh, which started at 7.30, so I was going to leave here at 7. So I, I figured out this window. I was like, get home and I'll go set it up and I'll say, and I'll, and I'll have, I'll get my mother. She can record me, you know? Perfect. So I get my phone and then I, I throw on the bathing suit, flip flops. Throw my uh, throwback Ernie Davis number 44 Syracuse jersey. And I go out there and I have my mother um, film me. I say my whole little screed. And, and I actually did it all right, you know. It was it was like, you know, less than 40 seconds. And, and it wasn't all garbled or anything. I said what I wanted to say. 
and I challenged three people that I knew would never follow through on the challenge. <laughs> Shaggy, Steve-O, and Fredo. And not 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 one of them will follow through with the challenge. I knew that. Right. But uh but I do it, you know? And it's like perfect, you know? Uh and then I look and I don't hear anything. And I'm like, damn it, another problem. Now I learned that my phone doesn't pick up audio when I'm doing video. <laughs> so I, you know, I was texting back and forth with Brian later at night when I got out of a movie. You know, before that, Mike Reardon had called me out too. You know, like, like I got on Facebook and it was like Mike Reardon tagged you in a message and it was like, it was like, uh, live. You know, you got the two sorry excuses have been challenged. You know, and I was like, yeah, 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 I know. You know, because I, I had known already, you know. Right. He was kind of, you know, he was doing a very Mike Reardon thing, go to me into doing it. Right. Uh, so Brian's like, it's all right, buddy. In my mind, you already did it. I was like, no, screw it. I got to do the video. <laughs> so I uh, went on the way home from the movie theater that night. I went and bought a bag of ice. And I got up the next morning. <laughs> I was thinking I was going to be able to do it that night. I came home and nobody was awake. <laughs> but I get up the next morning, I go and wake my mother up. She's like, What? I'm like, Mom, you gotta come and film me. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the ice bucket challenge again. <laughs> <laughs> so I threw back on the Ernie Davis jersey. <laughs> the 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 swimming trunks and the flip flops. And went there and it was still early. You know, I didn't I hadn't showered or anything yet. So I stumbled my way through the lines. My hands were a little flailing. <laughs> <laughs> but there I was. I'm sure my neighbors were up. Were probably like, "What the hell is going?" It's seven thirty or more, and this guy's announcing that he's going to dump a bucket of ice water on his head <laughs> for the second time in two days. Yeah, <laughs> and it does have a very hostage video appeal to it all. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you say at the end? That you, you kind of cut the video off, or you know, you kind of wave off your videographer. Um, but you go through your spiel, you pour the bucket, yeah. uh, the ice in the bucket, and then you pour it on your head, and it clearly has an effect on you. It's cold. Is it that cold? Yeah, yeah it's cold. It's it, the dump a to, to have a whole bucket of water and dump a five pound bag of ice into it. <laughs> It's not pleasurable. Right. You know? Right, right. The only thing that's bearable is that it was probably like 80 degrees at the time. Okay. But it yeah. looks like it takes your breath away. Yeah, it does. Because it's, it's, I like cold stuff, but it's like, <gasps> you know, that's how you feel when you get it, you know? Yeah. I don't know what I said. I mean, I think if anything, I said, all right, you can quit recording or something like that. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, no, it's more intuitive of whatever you say. It's something along the lines of, ah, 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 that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I have posted, and my friend's wife writes on there. She's like, "You didn't even let the ice chill in the water." I was like, "I was like, that's cold. You go and try to do it." I was like, "Plus, I've already done that one other time." Right. You know. Right. 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 Cut you some slack. Let the ice marinate in the water long enough. Come on. So apparently, this is just out of control and what i didn't realize was um the um the the person responsible behind it has really strong ties 
to a dude up in Boston with ALS. And I don't know if you have been up to to Boston um, around Thanksgiving time in a long time, but you know how they do the Pug Bowl? Yeah. So it's a touch football game amongst a bunch of middle-aged guys, and somewhere along the line, I, I think... I think in an attempt to capture the spirit of the hollyhog, which we covered a couple weeks ago with BP, um, Reardon organized this charitable contribution component to this flag football game, which, you know, is a nice gesture. I I, I don't necessarily think that, um, you know, that you would have to have done that in the same way that you would for a golf tournament. I think it's tough. Yeah, everything doesn't have to be charity. Yeah. yeah, like after 15 years, like some of those guys probably would have a hard time getting out to go play golf unless, you know, there was some type of big event around it. But yeah. to go play touch football, eh, probably a little easier. You could probably just get away with, hey, I'm going to see the guys and we're going to have a couple beers. But either yeah, it's way. A holiday. It's the type of thing you can do at a holiday. Either way, you know, I think it's a nice uh, gesture. Uh, they pass around a hat. It's real informal. Uh, if you want to throw a couple bucks in, whatever. Well, this year they had done um, uh, an attempt to raise money for this guy. I guess his name is Pete Frades. Yeah, Frady. that's the guy who it all started with, the former Boston College baseball player. He's a Boston College baseball player yep. who is friends with this guy, Pat Quinn, in New York. And I don't know, I, I've been doing a lot of work with ALS over the last um, year or so. Um, and this guy read Lou Gehrig's speech at the 75th anniversary of, oh, yeah, of, yeah. of Lou Gehrig's speech. Line. Yep. Yeah. And um, in one of the walks, he got up. What they were doing was having former Yankees come and read, but it was all like C-list Yankees, like guys Marv who... Thornberry. Who? Marv Thornberry. Was he a Yankee or was he a <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it was along those lines. Danny Tartable. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, at this particular walk, they didn't have a Yankee, so they asked this Pat Quinn to get up and um, and read it. And he happened to be like the same age Luke Gehrig was. He's at the same um, stage of the disease. Yeah. He's still mobile, but he's kind of losing a little of his faculties and his speech. And people yeah. were saying like how moving it was. And there re- literally wasn't a dry eye amongst 1,500 people who were there for the walk. It was, it was yeah. pretty incredible. Well, apparently those two guys have a connection. Um, I don't know if um, Pat Quinn went to BC uh, or played on the baseball team or, or what, but um, apparently he and and uh, Pete Frady uh, are buddies. So they've been the big um, um, the big proponents of this ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. So all their yeah. friends from college and, um, you know, from in the Northeast were, you know, were in on this. So... Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool that it's kind of come full circle. You know, there's like a hardcore network of the ALS people because I know, you know, because all this has been going on. Uh, I don't know if you know who Steve Gleason is. Yeah, the Saints. Yeah, and apparently, like, you know, in the past few years, Pete Freitas has been down here multiple times because Steve Gleason, you know, he has started his foundation because he has ALS, you know? Right. Yep. Like, he's in a wheelchair and he talks through... Um, like the Stephen Hawking type of thing now. Okay. You know, and they had that because 
you know, he's pro he's he's been involved with Steve Gleason, so I'm sure Steve Gleason's probably involved with uh, what's his name, Pat Quinn. Yep. You know, it's got to be like the network of people because it's because it's funny. Like, you know, before four years ago, the only person, the only people I ever heard about having Luke Gehrig is these were Luke Gehrig, and then one of the guys, one of these guys who killed himself with Doctor Kevorkian. Okay. You, know, you yeah. didn't hear about it that often. Right. You know, but now they have all this, and you're seeing all these people with ALS who are coming out, other than Pete Frades and the guy you're talking about and Steve Gleason. You know, uh, you're, you're seeing more of it. And then the crazy thing is my high school, um, when I was there, I had a teacher. His name was Father Fitzgerald. Two years ago, two, three years ago, he gets named as the president of high school. And then I got an email, you know, you get the email from the high school, and it was probably about eight months ago, got an email from him saying he was going to have to step down at the end of the year because he has ALS. It's just crazy. It's this, this condition that not too many people knew about, you know, or even knew, if you knew about it, you, like I knew of its existence, you just didn't know it was that widespread, but it seems like every day. You know, learn about a new person that has ALS. There's a hell of a lot more people out there suffering from this crap than there are, you know, than than I ever had an idea. Before, yeah. You know, I mean, it's insane. Everybody, you know, everybody wears, you know, their bracelets, whether it's uh, cancer, lung cancer, lupus, yeah. um, you know, live strong, whatever it is. Yep. Um, but this has been amazing to to watch this you know this viral yeah. uh, this viral campaign unfold, and like LeBron is doing it. Yep, George W. Bush did it. He did. Yes, <laughs> Laura Bush dumped water on his head, uh, and he challenged Bill Clinton to do it. So Bill Clinton will probably be doing it soon enough. Uh, it's amazing, man. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, like I, I did, like I you know last year for the first time I donate money to Team Gleason and. I mean, something to be said about it. People are like all these cynics, you know. Oh, well, this is so stupid; doesn't make you a philanthropist. But if it brings attention to something, just like Steve Gleason, like because he was a Saints guy, you know, I might not donate it otherwise. But I'm like, oh, this is cool. This guy was this cool, you know, football player, this strong, virile guy, and now he's suffering from it. And because of him, I'm donating money, you know. So whatever it is to get people to start donate money to these causes, you know, you can't. You, I don't know, people, a lot of people just want to hate on everything, you know? No, listen, man, it works because in just a short amount of time, I was out promoting a bunch of walks in the spring. And yep. what we do is we go out into local businesses and we ask them to display information. A lot of the teams uh, are made up of patients and their families, yeah. but we want people to come out. You know, see a free concert, get some free food, learn about, you know, the disease. So maybe next year they'll have a team or whatever. Yeah. It's always the same story. Like, oh, what's ALS? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Lou Gehrig's disease. Right. No problem. Every store I walked into three months later to promote these series of fall walks were like, oh, my God, my son just did the ice bucket challenge or I just did the ice bucket challenge. Yeah, of course. So now those are people who are going to actively promote the event, and it's all about awareness. That's all it is, you yep. know. So, um, so good for anybody who's doing it. What I saw, I saw a story today, and you know, whether it's about awareness or whatever, it's definitely an internet sensation. You know, like a meme or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
and every meme reaches its complete cycle where it is officially infiltrate society when somebody gets hurt participating in it. Today there was a story in Kentucky, uh, Campbellsville University, small old private Christian school. They were doing the ice bucket challenge with the band apparently. And somehow I guess it involved where the firefighters were going to jump, drop buckets of ice from them from the ladders or whatever of their trucks. Okay. Well, the ladders hit some electrical wires Four, four of the firefighters were hurt. Two of them are still in the hospital. It's like, yes, the ice bucket challenge is truly saturated, you know? Right, it's come once, full circle. Once, once bad shit starts happening to people participating in it, it's terrible, but it's true. Yeah, no, you're you right. Know, like, even people were getting hurt. Like, plank- you remember when planking was the big deal? Yes, yes. And then people are getting hurt planking, you know? Because people always... Try to step it up a notch, you know? <laughs> and then, and that's when shit happens. Oh, I'm going to plank on a railroad track, and then you get run over by a train or something. Well, thank God no one ever got hurt T-Bowing. Yay! <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. They had um, a South Park a couple of years ago about that, about memes. And it was about the dangers of memes and the, the people getting hurt doing the T-Bow. <laughs> <laughs> like T-Bowing on the railroad tracks. And it was... Oh, it's, uh but um but whatever two sorry excuses endorses uh endorses the ALS ice bucket challenge and does promote donating money to whether you want to donate to the ALS association itself team Gleason or whatever other organization out there you know I'm going to uh I'm going to get my ice bucket challenge done this weekend I'll, I know it's a little late but um, it's all right you can still do it, and you can still call out three other people, you know? We'll make a plan. Yeah. I uh, I mean, because I think we're kind of tight on time right here, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, You know, the passing of Robin Williams was terrible. Uh, I could probably go more about that, but I won't go on it now because it's going to depress the show um, about my personal feelings about that. Yeah, that was a, that was a total bummer. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. As the type of guy who who thinks of himself as pretty funny, I understand the angst of comedians and the tears of a clown, you know? Um, And that's what's so damn sad. Like, somebody like that who made everybody happy is still miserable, and that's friggin' terrible, you know? Well, then, on that note... Um, And Don Pardo, the great Don Pardo, has also passed. No! Yes, he died two days ago. Well, then who's the third? Old. Who who's the third? They, the celebrities always go in threes. Um, hmm, I don't know. Somebody. Well, um, what's Lauren Bacall died right after? Yeah. there we go. Yeah, and in honor of Don Pardo, uh, I guess we can say this is the end of two sorry excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, with apologies to Girk's brother. Good night, Fredo. We'll see you guys next week. Do that ice bucket challenge, Fredo. (laughs) 